Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, welcome to Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, the Giants are World Series champions, dude. That's amazing. Three times in five years, they are referred to lovingly by their own GM as the cockroaches of baseball. (laughs) And I have made a decision. Yes. It pains me as a huge Giants fan to say this. Yes. They are the LA Kings of baseball. They are. They are. And this is why. That hurts. Well, this is why. Because the Kings on paper are not the best team. No. They're good. Oh, yeah. But they're not the best team. But when it comes down to it, you just can't beat them Mm -hmm. in that type of situation. They are very, very difficult to get rid of. And the Giants, dude, without arguably their second best pitcher in Matt Cain, Mm -hmm. their leadoff hitter and spark plug in Angel Pagan, out, completely out, didn't play at all. They still won the whole damn thing with like, a guy who's played for like eight teams this year in left field. <laughs> it was weird. I mean, it, it. I don't know what to say, dude. All I know is that it's good. You know, it, it, it's good to see a team in the Bay Area realize championship dreams. They know how to close. They do. They know they how to do. close. Yeah. Always and congratulations to you, dude, and congratulations to all the fans. <laughs> well, thank you. Giants. I accept your congratulations and for doing nothing. You're now officially spoiled three championships. I had a very strange reaction when they won. I rose to I was well, I didn't sit down for the whole final inning because in classic Giants torture fashion, you know, they get two outs and then the guy gets a triple. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm standing there and then he pops out and foul ground to Sandoval. And when the game was won, I lifted my shirt up over my head. I can't explain it. Is this like a and w- Women's yelled. World Cup thing? or I don't know. It was very Brandy Chastain of me. Yeah. I don't know why that happened, but it did. So I can only imagine what I would do. When the Sharks win the cup. Right. Um, You'd throw your walker aside. <laughs> you think at the age of 92. <laughs> <laughs> you oh try to lift God, your shirt dude. above your head, you'd have a stroke. You'd hit your head on the it way down. It was going from like, this was a huge sports week, dude. We got, you know, Giants win the World Series. Mm-hmm. Went to my first Sharks game in person this year, which nice. is so sad. Yeah. Say, although they haven't had a lot of home games. We went together on Saturday to then beat the Islanders. And today I went to the 49er game, dude. Nice. So it was they, high. Didn't they lose? High, extreme low. <laughs> the <laughs> Niners were yeah, terrible. Not, not good, huh? Well, let's talk some hockey, dude. There's a lot to talk about. Gosh, can you believe it's only our second podcast? Though. I know. We've had so much going on. And we thank the listeners for being patient. Yes. Thanks for sticking with us. I know we got a pointed tweet or email or two saying, <clears throat> where's the content where are you guys at i'm uh, paying so much for your content <laughs> I'm paying so make much. sure to deliver <laughs> well dude we have many games yeah. since our last podcast we were very uh, optimistic and happy with the Sharks' start they had lost to the rangers 
uh, right after, uh, right before we last posted, and then the Sharks proceeded to rip off a three-game, well, not then a four-game losing streak, uh, with losses to such teams as Buffalo and Columbus, <laughs> and uh, then the Sharks managed to right the ship a little bit in wins against Anaheim and Colorado. Then a loss to a, a pretty good Minnesota team in Minnesota, and then they beat uh, sort of the the darling of the NHL right now, the New York Islanders last night. Where well, would you like to begin? Well, dude, uh, I I want to kind of forget about the Boston game a little bit, you know, yeah. and, and that was so long ago. But as I'm looking at the 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 score sheet that you have up on the dudes on hockey master computer right in our studios one thing that we talked about last night this is a you know maybe we'll talk about the games in sort of broad strokes here is you know we're looking at the last seven games and niemi has started six of them dude right six out of the last seven yes that's true and i expressed to you this was before the game and before niemi played quite well last night that i was pretty disappointed that this was how the goalie situation was being handled Mm -hmm. based on everything that we've been told before the season started we're turning the team over to the young guys and here we are again (laughs) with the goalie timeshare being grossly in favor of the veteran who's in the last year of his contract right and i'm disappointed in it am i disappointed in how niemi is playing right now no no he's playing well he's playing well he was not good against boston or columbus he was not good right all right yeah but um the last four games his save percentage in all those games has been over 94 percent. so right right so you can't argue with that but i am still disappointed that alex stalock is not getting an opportunity to play. Because I still believe that, you know, the future is the future. Yeah. And the present is, we know what it is. Mm -hmm. And if Staloc's going to be the goalie of the future, I think he needs to play more than 20 games this year, dude. I'm I'm with you, dude. I, I guess I'm looking at the stats from the Buffalo game, which I think was clearly the low point of the season so far. Uh, where but, they lose to a Sabres team that was averaging less than one goal per game. Sure. And you were in the, at that game, dude. Yes. Do you attribute the game to being his fault that they lost that game? I mean, he he stopped 13 out of 15. That's not good. No, it's not good. It's not good. But I mean, wasn't the entire team effort sort of oh, yeah. turdastic? Yeah, they didn't really... The the Sharks didn't really seem to want to play a game or was really interested in the game until after Buffalo went up two to nothing, and then the Sharks sort of said, "Wait a second, we shouldn't be losing to these guys." And then they started to pour it on. They managed to score a goal, pull within one, but they couldn't tie it late. So, uh, okay, you know, the, I mean, basically the first two periods were pretty listless hockey. Not a lot happened. And and then a little bit of flurry of goals in the third period. And the Sharks ended up with a loss at home to the worst team in the NHL. Although maybe Carolina might want to uh, 
challenge Buffalo for the worst team in the NHL. Carolina beat the LA Kings tonight. They've won two in a row. <laughs> so, so there you I go. Would, and Buffalo beat Detroit. So what the hell's going on, dude? The world is ending. Winnipeg's beating the Blackhawks as we record. So, yeah, we'll talk uh, about today's hell games is frozen over. later on. <laughs> But yeah, I, that's the low point. I guess maybe they were not happy with the way they Stalock played. You know, two goals on fifteen shots, and and the Emmy's gotten every start since. So, I'm I'm with you. I guess, I mean, it, maybe they're looking to put him out front and then trade him. But I think that's I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's the case. And and again, I'm not arguing that he doesn't deserve to be playing. I just think six out of the last seven. That's just that's we're back to where we used to be where they run Niemi into the ground right and play the backup less than 20 games and mm-hmm. i i don't think that that's good for the this team now or down the road like we have a going to have several days between the Vancouver game so if we're looking ahead Vancouver then Dallas Chicago on the road back to back I can't believe the Sharks are going back out on the road again. I know. The schedule is A really long road trip, too. <clears throat> really brutal. Seven-game road trip. So you figure Staloc's going to draw one of those two games, and those are two brutal matchups. You're going to go to Dallas, one mm-hmm. of the highest-scoring teams in the NHL, and Chicago, which is always a really tough draw. So that's going to be his reintroduction back into the lineup? Maybe he'll play against Vancouver on no. Thursday. No, he's not going to do it. Why not? They're going to play Niemi. That's okay. what they're doing. <laughs> I guess. That's what they're doing. Yeah, That's what they're doing, dude. He's going to play at home against Vancouver. And Niemi deserves to play. He's playing extremely well. I just think it, instead of it being six out of seven, it should be Four five. Of, five. At least, at least give him two games. Four out of seven should be. I, I think so, too. I mean, he hasn't played enough for you to go... This guy is definitely not up for it. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, dude, let's talk about some high points. Yeah, Brent Burns is a beast. Dude. Brent Burns is beast. Yeah. Brent Burns is clearly the MVP of this team so far. He's playing very well. He's roving all over the ice. He's creating scoring chances in every single game. Uh, I might have to shoot a message to Kevin Kurz in his next uh, chat or whatever, because he said maybe a week or so ago, or a little bit more than a week now, that he expected Burns to come back to forward. And if he's this productive, why would you no, put him back that's at not forward? Gonna, it's not going to happen. I, I heard the same comment, and he made the same comment, actually, I think on uh, the Merrick versus Wyshynski podcast a couple weeks ago. I, I think that McClellan said something to the effect of, you know, nothing is ever permanent. And sure. like if they needed him, but no, there's no way he, he's, I don't, I'm not looking at the league stats. He's got 13 points in 13 games. He's got to be the highest scoring defenseman in the league. Oh yeah. Why would you change that? And he's actually playing pretty well defensively. I mean, like, you know, good enough, but he's even right in his plus minus. Here comes the Corsi numbers. Dude. Yeah. I got to pull him up, dude. dude. You know, well, I got to, I see. We'll see. I guess this will tell tell a tale here yeah just from a you know fans point of view i'm not noticing him being terrible and when i mean terrible i mean jason demers <laughs> yeah jason demers has he not... been the most disappointing player so far 
he is for me. Yeah. And I don't know if it's close. I mean, he can't stay in the lineup every time. He for a guy who's supposed to kind of replace Dan Boyle's puck moving production, three points in eleven games. It's not good, dude. That's that's not really acceptable. Nope. Burns Corsi on. Or let's see, Corsi Rel is positive. His Corsi on is actually negative. So, uh, you know, his he's not uh, actually the best defenseman we have in terms of Corsi is oh, shocking. Unsurprisingly, Mark Edward Vlasic. Uh, so, but you see, Brent Burns is the third best. He so. is the third best behind uh, Vlasic and Braun, which is what you would expect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if he was. You know, the worst, like if you go down and look at Jason Demers, who is the worst, at minus 19.89, <laughs> and yeah. Burns is minus 2.88. Yeah. So that's the difference right now if you're going off of uh, Corsi rel- uh, numbers. That's, that's not good. That's yeah. really bad. Thank you, Mike Brown, minus 49.58. <laughs> right, right. Anyways. Um, so I played two games. I know. It's just funny. Yeah. I mean, like, that's just, that's a, that's a, a wretched number. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, actually, one number that, that sticks out a little bit to me is James Shepard's got a pretty good number here, which is a little surprising. We bagged James Shepard and we took some heat for it. People said, you guys got to look at James Shepard. You guys good. And uh, I was looking, and from what I could see with my eyes, I was not super convinced. Obviously, he had a really nice goal last night, most of the work done by Adam Burrish. But um, his his advanced stats are not not bad. His quality of competition, though, is absolutely terrible. It's by far the... the he's playing by far the easiest minutes on the team. And it's not... Actually, it's not even close. Him, He's playing easier minutes than John Scott at this point. <laughs> So, um, so James Shepard is benefiting from being matched up with not good competition. Um, but, that, but he is playing well for the minutes that he's getting. So I guess some, some credit well. is due. He's got two points in seven games. I know. But he's like a fourth-line player. You don't expect that. He's not playing fourth line. He's playing like up on the second line. Like, uh, yes, nice goal last night. Nice. You cannot take that away from him. He's not a garbage player. It's just he's not going to take us to the cup or be any sort of, I think a relevant part of what we need to do to win the Stanley cup. Yeah. He's a top six forward. Who's not capable of playing that on a regular basis. So you sort of try and fudge him into the third line center. We saw what happened against the Kings. He was good for two games. He got his lunch eaten the rest. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Like I, I, I would rather see, some of these guys like Gucciro, who's, you know, played two games so far. He's kind of off to a nondescript start. I right. didn't really notice him last night no. at all, you no. know. Chris Tierney, who I think we both like, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's promising. I mean, uh, time again hasn't played the last couple games. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd rather see time again than James Shepard. That's just my opinion. Yeah. It's mine too. I, you know, it seems like it's, you know, despite the guy behind us last night who kept yelling, "Hit him, hit the guy!" You wanted every, you wanted every time any Sharks player skated by another player to to just crush the dude into the boards. Which maybe it was his first hockey game. I remember my first hockey game it was fun, uh, but 
you know, time again seems to play more like you would expect a third and fourth line player to play, which is he forechecks hard, he takes the body. He, you know, it's he plays a simple game, right? And so he seems to be more the prototypical third and fourth line player. And I guess I'm just, I react more to that. I respond to that more. It seems yes. like he's well, playing we've seen the it kind work. of Well, we've seen it work. I mean, like this, the yeah. teams that have won the last couple cups That's have those do. kind of third and fourth lines. I mean, the Kings, the Blackhawks, the Bruins, they all have guys like that. And the Sharks have been lacking that. And when we finally got Rafi Torres, I mean, that was exactly... We wanted Rafi Torres in, like, another guy like that. Yeah, we did. Who could be our Brad Marchand, who could be our, you know, Versteeg. You know, when, when he was playing for um, the Blackhawks the first time. The first time. Right? Now he's back. Or, like, Andrew Shaw. I yeah. mean, like, he was sort of disguised as a second-line center. Now he's finally playing where he sh- probably should be third-line center. But, like, that guy... That guy's a pain in the ass. Like, right. I mean, he's a pain in the ass to play against, and he has some talent. But he's also really hard to match up with. And I don't know if James Shepard is hard to match up with. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't right. know if anybody looks at the lineup and goes, oh. oh God. Uh, keep your eyes up, James <laughs> Shepard. Uh-oh, look out. Keep your head up. But, you yeah. know, if, if, if he's playing well, I guess we're just going to uh, continue to see him, um, great win in Anaheim after a stinkeroo in Buffalo, dude. I, it's classic vintage Sharks, right? Yes, it is. To to completely uh, not show up against a bad team and then crush the top team in the division, right? And they did. They absolutely crushed Anaheim. Yeah, and they stood up for themselves, and it was entertaining, and there were fights, and you know, one hundred and eighty-seven thousand penalty minutes. It's those glimpses of games like that that make you feel like there's something in there. Right. That if they could bring that on a, a semi-regular basis, right. This team You don't want to have do eight fights special. a night. No, but yeah. like it, they stood up for themselves. They did. And they went into Anaheim, who was, you know, was probably the hottest team in the NHL, and they whooped them. They whooped them badly. And they did the same thing to LA on opening night. So We've seen them demonstrate that they can play at the top of their game and be a major force, but then they can also give up, you know, leads in the third period in like almost half their games, right? <laughs> almost every, yeah. So I mean, to the point last night when we got up 2-1, like we were both resigned right. so that they were going to give it up, you know, and they didn't thankfully, and that was a good way to close out that game. And they closed it out the way they should close it out. Exactly. But that's been a rarity. That's been an exception, dude. That's the exception. Actually, I was I was saving this stat like a little nugget for the podcast. But last night, Sharks broke the stat. And if those of you that follow Darren Stevens, otherwise known as like Sharks Stats Guy or something, I can't remember his Twitter handle, uh, you would have gotten the spoiler last night. Last night was the first game this season that the Sharks outscored their opponent in the third period. Every other game this season, the Sharks either scored the same number of goals as their opponent in the third period, or they scored fewer. Every single game, they were outshot. And I think at one point, and they may still be, the worst third period team in hockey. So, you know, coffee's for closers. This, <laughs> The Giants are drinking coffee, and the Sharks aren't. The Sharks 
with the exception of last night against the Islanders, which I completely admit was a, a really good third period performance. I was really happy to see it, but it was the one and only exception to the Sharks play this year. That's incredible. I mean, um, I, I knew it wasn't good, yeah. but I didn't realize that it was quite that bad, dude. I just kind of pulling this up live here. I mean, like all these wins, you know, like, you know, the LA win, Winnipeg and these, even the, these dominant wins, Anaheim and so forth, they yeah. didn't actually outscore their, their opponent in the third period in any of those games. So the Sharks are, wow. I mean, the Sharks are plus... 13 in the first period. Right. They're a great first period. 15 team. to 2. Second period, they are minus 1, being outscored 13 to 12. And in the third period, the Sharks are minus 6. And they've given up 18 third period goals, <laughs> which is um, tied with Columbus for second most, just a shade behind Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. So. Not good. I mean, right. that's that's those are terrible stats, dude. While we have the listeners on the hook, let's uh, take a look and see how it compares to last year, All right? So last year, the Sharks, dude, yeah, um, in the first period, for the year they were plus two. Okay. Wait, sorry, I'm a lie. No, they were way better than that. They were plus thirty six. Wow. Wow. In the second period, they were plus six. And in the third period, they were plus two. Right. So, you know, considerably stronger numbers. You know, and, but but and not still near the bottom. I mean, that they gave yeah. up. You know, they're in the bottom third of goals allowed in the third period last year. Last so year, that that trend has continued uh, this year, and it seems even more drastic. Oh, oh no! I mean, they they've been. They were like 26th in goals allowed. Like they were one of the best. Oh, one of the best. They I thought were one of the best. Oh, oh, oh. So that trend has completely reversed. Right. So now they're bad in the third period before they didn't give up a lot. Okay. I, I'm surprised by it because I've always felt like they were always bad in the third period. <laughs> but know. like the stats don't quite bear that out. No, but, no. Um, I'd be curious to go back and certainly God knows I do not have the time. Yeah. But to look at how many leads have been blown in the third period. I, would I love feel to like know. it's all the time, but um, <laughs> so it goes. Dude. Yeah, so, so it goes. so it goes. So, but that win in Anaheim was fantastic, and the win last night was very good. It was a good win, really good. And the win in Colorado, even though the Abs are kind of scuffling, that's a good win when you can go in there and beat a playoff team from last year. And although then you've they, got a point in Minnesota, which I consider to be acceptable. So. Although they gave up a two goal lead, in the right? Third. Yeah, and that's the crap part about it and they gave know? up a two goal lead in the third against minnesota as well right yeah i mean that's that's not good <laughs> but they're getting points which i think would be the argument that other people would make is right. saying well they're getting points yes they are um right now they would be outside of the top three in the division but do we really believe that calgary is going to hang on right. to a spot. I say no, but they go into Montreal tonight and beat them 6 to 2. I know. So it's a crazy day. What gives? Dude? I have no idea. They they're playing with house money. They they got no expectations on this team. They got a bunch of young guys. They just they don't care. They just go out and play it's just devil may care hockey. It doesn't matter. They have they don't have any anything really to to answer to. Yeah, they they are playing fast and loose for sure. They've got nothing to lose. Um, 
So, I mean, you look at teams that are outside of their division playoff race, you know, Chicago and San Jose and the Kings and the Rangers and, uh, you know, team Boston. Wow, Washington's not playing well. Shocking. (laughs) Shut it. (laughs) Shut it. You gave me so much crap. Washington's going to be good this year. I know. We're only I stand 11 games. By it, we're only 11 we're so games. Far, we're, we're so far. Yeah, we're so far away from away anything. Away from but, uh, being anywhere close to the finish line, dude. Anywhere close to another free trip to Vegas <laughs> <laughs> for me. I know. But um, in terms of the first 13 games, dude, I mean, do you feel like anything is different or is this the same sort of sharks that you're used to seeing? This I, I know we said last podcast. I mean, I guess we don't need to hammer it in every single time, but it, this seems like the same kind of team to me. I don't I don't see anything appreciably different. You know, we do see a few more young faces on the roster. You know, Tomas Hurl's been playing on the fourth line. I guess he, he had a really nice goal last night. So hopefully that gets him off the Schneid and he starts contributing more. But I don't want to see that guy in the fourth line under any circumstances, right? I mean, I don't I don't feel like this is a team that needs to put him on the fourth line. Period. Well, well, I thought you made an interesting comment about it last night, and I asked you why did you think they were doing that, and you said, "Do you remember?" No, I was you, drinking. <laughs> you said something about, "Well, maybe it's because they want to see him work harder." Yeah, I and I was trying to put a good face on and it, I, and I thought actually that made sense to me. I was, I don't agree with them doing that, but. Well, if you're going to force him into a situation where he's got to play with Desjardins and Burrish, who are going to go a million miles an hour for 30 seconds. Right. Well, maybe if they feel like he's being a little lazy, you can't be lazy with those two guys right. up against the lower level competition. you got to fight even harder. So, I don't know. Maybe it woke him up. We'll see. Maybe it was the right decision. Yeah, he scored but... a power play goal. Right? Sure. So, it should be mentioned it was a power play goal. He didn't score with uh, Desjardins and Burrish on the ice, but uh, it was a really nice power play goal. But there certainly has been no change in the philosophy of how this team is going to play. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Uh, how they react in uh, critical situations appears to be exactly the same. Right. Or worse. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Um, they show the ability to be an elite team in flashes. Yep. And then also show the ability to lay some major stinkeroos. Yeah. So, which is probably not that different than a lot of other teams in the first 13 games. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but I, I think we were looking for, you know, is there going to be a major step backwards or some sort of major improvement? And I can't say we've seen either. Right. I think we've seen the same kind of play with the same kind of personnel and right. the same which kind is, of game which is time a playoff situation. team. So right. Which is a playoff team. I mean, so this team as it will progress, if it stays the same should make the playoffs and we see what happens then, I guess. Right. right. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, it's hard to be optimistic about those chances, but we're way ahead of ourselves here. Sure. And, and it's certainly better than, than being Arizona who are oh. minus 14 in the goals differential. Buffalo is minus 27. Good God. But but Arizona is just... Uh, see, I think they're in the tank-tastic. I mean, I Arizona think, is? Yeah. I think that they're not even... What did they do in the offseason that gives you any indication that they're actually trying to win? I think they're going to can Dave Tippett. I know we've <laughs> talked about this, yeah. but 
I mean, they're not even playing like they're playing games like tonight. They won like six to five. Like they're not even playing the defensive style no. that Dave Tippett is known so what's for. What's the point? Like, right. L- let that poor man go. <laughs> let him go so he can coach a different team. I mean, the guy's a good coach, but what a mess. I mean, that they're, they're not. They would be better served getting a, one of the top three picks. Really? That's you know? true. That's true. Any um, any other surprises so far this season, dude? I, it seems like, you know, most of the teams that we expected, you know, there's a big crush in the middle of both the Central and the Pacific Divisions. So, you know, L.A., San Jose, Calgary, Vancouver, all within two points of each other, and Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, Winnipeg, and Chicago, all within two points of each other. Actually, and Dallas, all within two points of each other. So, you know, the, the Central is crazy right now. The Central... I think the biggest surprise is how good Nashville's been, really. I mean, besides Calgary, that's the other team that I don't really understand why they're good again. Like, what? what's... LaViolette? I guess. I mean, I... I, I've always been a LaViolette fan. Me too. And and we raised his name when everything hit the fan after the playoffs as a guy who, if they were going to get rid of Team Act, that would have been who we would have wanted. Right. But I think the the shine will come off the the new car. The and we'll start to see yeah. the uh, it the just, dead body in the trunk. It's, soon, it's, it's hard to see them have it. They just how do they have the personnel to hang with Minnesota, and well, St. Louis, and Chicago? You they, just don't they, see it. Well, they have a a little bit of a different roster, but it's not an exciting roster. But right. I mean, I think for the first time they have a top line that you go. Well, I mean, Ribeiro, Neal, and Philip Forsberg. There's yeah, one, two, three skill players. It's when, not, when it's not embarrassing. Done... Oh, that's not embarrassing at all. Like, but when when have they had like a, a top line with like three skill players? On yeah, right. It? It's never, never happened. N- never. Like David Legwand was their that's, number one center yeah, for like exactly. twenty years. I said skill players. Right. <laughs> he wasn't a bad player. No, you're talking about. It, he's like he's dead. He's playing for Ottawa. <laughs> See, I didn't even know that. <laughs> he's not Stephen Weiss, dude. Stephen yeah. Weiss is dead. Yeah. Oh man, he's coming back, isn't he? Oh, going to play sure, soon? Sure, yeah, yeah. You're excited about he's, that. He'll, he'll be in Grand Rapids with Scott Hannon. <laughs> Here's your silver stick. Oh, Enjoy Wush. Yeah, I actually that's a good um, question. Do we hear anything about Scott Hannon? He got hit no, by Clutterbug. I didn't see anything about. Do I'm you, just gonna look. I think we have some emails too. Do oh, do we? we? Okay, yeah, maybe I should go to that because right now I'm just killing time surfing the web. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. What do love, we have? I love looking at your search history. Yeah. Uh, questions at dudesonhockey.com is the email address. Very good. Here we go. This one? Yes, Peter. Okay. Peter says, um, okay. So Peter, Peter's question, I think he emailed immediately after the Sabres loss. Um, so, you know, take that into consideration. I don't think anybody was happy, but, um, Peter's basic thought was, are sharks, are sharks like tuning out T Mac in the hopes of getting him fired? I hope. I hope that's. Uh... He says I can't get rid of this idea. I know that there isn't a better coach than T Mac available, but I start to think that any change will be welcome. Do you do you see that at all, dude? I mean, it's impossible to be in the stands or watching at home and know if the the the, the players are tuning out or not tuning out a specific coach, but. Do you think that's possible that they're just he he said he got the impression they're doing everything possible to get him fired? No, I don't I don't think that that these guys are 
professionals, right? I mean, you yeah. think they're going to go in the in the bag, you know, to to try and get the coach fired? I think everything everything was on the table in the offseason, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if the guys as a unit had a major problem with Todd McClellan, I mean, everybody was basically in 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 the principal's office, like telling on. Oh, right. Oh, this is what we were talking about last night, dude. Oh yeah. At, at the Scott Hannon Silver Stick ceremony, which was really cool, and actually they gave him a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, uh, I th- I thought it would have been funny if Scott Hannon went to the mic. I was like, "Hey guys, thanks for the surfboard and the Hawaiian vacation. And by the way, I'm the one who told Doug Wilson that we were uh, coworkers, <laughs> not, teammates. And not teammates. Thanks for the stuff, no backsies. Yeah." <laughs> Uh, that would have been that would have made for a good speech. He didn't uh, actually give a speech, though. No, he didn't. But yeah. if he had, I wish it had been that. That would have been very entertaining. But but it is a it is a valid question, dude. I, I, mean, I in think terms it's true. Of has has T Mac run his course here? I mean, it, that's certainly possible. But I think the message certainly sent by Doug Wilson is: I don't care. You guys need yeah. to play for this guy. We're not getting rid of him. It's your fault. I think that was a big message in the offseason. I mean, of course, there's certain things that coaches can always improve on and try to do better. I mean, everybody has a piece of the blame, right? There's no doubt about that. But I think uh, it's very easy to fire the coach, and it certainly would have been defensible at the time for Doug Wilson to fire T-Mac after the LA series, and he didn't. So I think the message is pretty clear. Hey, we're not just going to throw this guy to the wolves because you can't win a single game out of four. Right. And so, I, you know... Maybe they're trying to get him fired, but I don't think I, I don't think management would stand for it. I think management would start start whacking people and trading them away or doing something if that was in fact the case. But but I do think in the first couple weeks there have been some very strange and questionable decisions. You know, sure, like like Niemi, like Niemi being overplayed again. Like, no letter for Couture. That still really bothers me. I mean, mm-hmm. it bothers me. Maybe it doesn't bother anybody else. Apparently, it bothered him, which we talked about in the last podcast from what, you know, was said uh, by Kevin Kurz, but I believe it was Kevin Kurz. I, someone said it, and, or the voices in my head told yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's a little strange, and I think, you know, some of the other decisions are a little strange, but... um do I think they're trying to get him fired? No. I don't either. Okay, Mike asks, one thing that's very different so far this season is the poor performance on face-offs. The Sharks have typically been in the top 10 and hasn't been that much change in who's taking the face-offs this year, but the results are much worse. Any insights as to why, dude? It's an interesting question. Not eating a complete breakfast? <laughs> Could that be why, dude? I don't know, dude. It's a good question. <laughs> Sometimes if you have like pop tarts instead of like a bowl of total, yeah, I might might throw it off. No, dude, I don't know, and I hadn't even noticed that, and I haven't looked up the stats to see where they fit in. I see that you are I'm gonna frantically. Tr- I'm going to try uh, and checking it out. I'm going to try. I mean, we know them. Joe and Pabs, who's kind of been bounced all over. You know, I don't know how many faceoffs he's been taking. Couture has been. You know, a fine face-off guy, but you know, yeah, I mean, they're right at fifty point three percent, right, dude? They're in the middle of the road, fourteenth out of thirty. So it's still young. You know, the the season's still young. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is something the coaches are going to take uh, more interest in. It seems like the Sharks have, uh, you know, taken a, a lot of 
effort in trying to improve that part of their game and maybe other teams are catching up right you know it's like everybody says oh well you know the other teams got coaches too and the other teams got video too um and maybe some of these other coaches are are trying to emphasize that more and the sharks i think we're emphasizing that a lot more than a lot of teams in previous years and maybe the other teams have caught up i i don't know the answer to that but um it certainly seems like yeah, they're they're certainly not as dominant as they once were. Although it seems like the the best face off guys are still doing pretty well. Like, like the two Joes do pretty well. Yeah, I mean the the two. I'll tell you right now, the two people who are dragging down the number is Chris Tierney is has taken ninety nine face offs and he's at thirty nine percent. Wow. So he's kind of getting worked. Yeah. But he's a rookie, right, right? Right. So you're gonna have to accept that with part of the learning curve. Sure. Uh, and Logan Couture has been a disappointment in the dot at uh, 38%, yeah. which for Logan Couture is unacceptable. Yes, I agree. Which has been a question that I've had about him as a center and why I've questioned maybe if he should be a center at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's big enough to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Is like, he getting out muscled in the is dot? Is he getting out muscled in the dot and then you just lose possession and then you're not able to capitalize on his greatest strengths, dude. So I don't know, but a uh, good question. It but is a good question. Maybe that helps a little bit. The tyranny, that darn rookie who we've been advocating for kind of ruined it. Also, Michael asks, uh, it seems last season, the sharks would consistently outshoot their opponents. And this year they're being outshot a lot. Is there some sort of change in strategy that you're seeing or are the sharks just not shooting as much? I think it's C. They just kind of suck. <laughs> Sometimes. I blame Joe Thornton. They're not shooting. I think he's shooting more this season than he did last season, actually. Really? I think uh, they pulled that stat up on one of the recent games. But, uh, yeah, I, frankly, I think um, <laughs> they're just not playing all that great. Then last last year they started pretty hot, and uh, this year they're kind of not. So I, I, I don't uh, necessarily see this as a change in strategy. I see it uh, as a change in ability, although they did you know, throw up 51 against Colorado. Um, and they threw up over 30, you know, it's, but it seems like they've been consistently in the thirties here since maybe the last time we podcasted, which is actually usually a pretty good number. If you're in the thirties, you're usually doing fairly well. So, um, they only got 28 against Minnesota because they basically went to sleep in the third period and Minnesota came. And that's a very good defensive team. So I think that's a little bit defensible so if you look in the last several i mean they've been over 30 right. actually they've outshot everyone except for minnesota right so i don't, I don't since think so. the 23rd of october yeah, or I, the 21st i wouldn't i wouldn't be concerned about it yeah i'm not i'm not looking at the first the first five games they got outshot in every game mm-hmm. and since then they've outshot everybody except for one and still coughed up some leads <laughs> Right. <laughs> They're still managing to do that. All right, dude. So, uh, well, the Sharks are finally getting a little bit of a break here. Although, as you said, they're playing Vancouver on Thursday and then going out on the road again. Uh, what what's uh, what are you thinking here? It looks like they're playing some tough teams on this road trip coming up. Dallas, Chicago, Tampa Bay, all good teams. Um, you know, what, what are you expecting? It, actually, I'm particularly interested in this game against Vancouver because Vancouver and the Sharks, I think, have almost exactly the same number of points. I think they do. Maybe I, yeah, Vancouver same. might have one more point. I totally agree with you. I'm I think really this is, interested. This is a great benchmark game, I think, for the Sharks early on to see. This is going to be the team that they're going to be duking out for the third spot. Right. You know, I think the Ducks in L.A. will settle in the top two spots. 
And the Sharks are going to have to compete with Vancouver. And how are they going to do? I mean, the Sharks have kind of owned them lately, right? Right. So, But some now, people have said that the team is way different now that Tortorella is gone. Yeah, they're back to the way they used to play. Yeah. Yeah. So how will that game go? You know, how will Ryan Miller look in a, a Canucks uniform? I'm I'm very excited for that game. And I think it will either make me feel better or way, way worse. Because... <laughs> You know, the Dallas game, I mean, Dallas is not playing well right now. They're still scoring a ton of goals, but they're giving up the, even the, more the second most in the Western Conference tied with Edmonton. And their defense is just they're just porous. Mm-hmm. And Lettinen's, you know, Kari Lettinen. You know right. I mean, he's uh, always been a little bit overrated, I think. So that's winnable. But the problem with Dallas is that they score like they score at least three goals a game. So you've yeah. got to keep up. You realize it, the Sharks are leading the West in goals scored? Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Huh. So go figure. So if they can go in there and win a shootout, which maybe they can, mm-hmm. they've got better goaltending. They've got better defense. So they should win that game. So I'm going to say in this last next three games, we should get four points. If we don't get four points, we'll be disappointed. I'm, Chicago's not playing well either, so maybe you can kind of get in there and, and they just they just lost to Winnipeg, I think. I know. I mean, That's uh, crazy. Yeah, they got shut out at home by the Jets. Wow. So go figure, right? Go figure. It's a topsy-turvy world. Or, or they're going to be really pissed. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to take <laughs> it out on us. They're not scoring. I mean, they're really having problems scoring. So, I mean, the Sharks have 41 goals. The Blackhawks have 29. So, yeah, that's very, so it's a very big difference, right? Yeah, very big. All right, dude. Well, it's an interesting turn of events here. The Sharks uh, continue on their course, and I guess we're going to see how they do this coming week. And I think they got a couple of big tests coming up. So, it'll be very interesting to see how they stack up against some of these good Western Conference teams. And we will do our best to be a little bit more. As they say, in the world of brain, regular with our podcasts. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.